you so much, Jasmine. Thank you. God bless you. Praise God. It's a joy to see all of you here in the sanctuary and those of you watching online. Welcome indeed. Our theme today is Christmas is Awesome, part two. I shared part one with you recently. We come to part two in the Gospel of Luke, chapter one, beginning at verse 26. And when we say Christmas is awesome, we could replace that word awesome with a lot of other marvelous uh, words, such as Christmas is what? Christmas is fantastic. Christmas is wonderful. Christmas is beautiful. Christmas is awesome. And we learn these marvelous truths from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Here's what the Word of God says. Would you like to stand, please? Would you stand? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. Verse 35. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this portion of your Holy Bible. Now we ask that you would open up our minds and hearts to the truth that we're about to share. Touch each person's life here in the sanctuary and those viewing online and those listening on radio. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please feel free to be seated. My friends, today the first truth that I want to invite you to focus on with me is this. Christmas is awesome because we are reminded, we are reminded that God wants to communicate with ordinary people like you and me. Like you and me. That's right. We, we, we see God starting to communicate with Mary through the angel Gabriel in verse 26 there, where, where we just read verse 26 and following. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. By the way, 
the name Gabriel, translated from Hebrew, means God is my strength or God is my hero. Okay, God is my strength or God is my hero. For those of you that will be having babies in the next few years, there's a nice um, idea for a name for your future child. No charge for the idea. All right. All right. Uh, the, the example of Mary, my friends, her example tells us that God speaks to us through angels. God sometimes speaks to us through angels. For those of you making notes, that would be point A under this first point. Obviously, God communicated to Mary through an angel. Does the Lord still communicate with you and me through angels today? I've heard some yeses. Some of you are probably saying, I don't know, right? Personally, personally, I believe the Lord is able to communicate with angels to us today and probably does so, especially in rare situations where if God doesn't use an angel, a person doesn't, or a person would, would have a very hard time being convinced that God is really trying to say something to you. Does that make sense? In Mary's case, if God hadn't used the angel Gabriel, I believe Mary would have had a very difficult time believing. Wouldn't you say so? Sure. Right? She would have had a tough time believing that she was chosen to give birth to the Son of God. Oh, really, God? Really? Furthermore, personally, I believe that sometimes God uses an angel in your life and moments later, you say to yourself, where did he or she come from? Where, where did that person come from? And when you try to answer, when you try to answer that question, you end up saying, who was that? And, and how did they know that I needed help at just the right moment? Right? Did that person show up by accident at that moment? Or was that an angel sent by God? I believe God does sometimes use angels. I believe also that sometimes God uses dreams. God speaks to us through dreams. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 1, verses 20, 21, it tells us that Joseph had a dream. And in that dream, an angel of the Lord said, quote, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was, con was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
It was because of that dream and message that Joseph did not break his engagement with Mary after hearing that Mary was pregnant. My friends, God sometimes works through dreams. But we have to be careful that what we experience in a dream, now follow me on this, we have to be careful that what we experience in a dream lines up with the Holy Bible, with God's Word. Sometimes it could be, it could be that our mind is so focused and, and caught up with what we want that the results show up in a dream. Are you following me? Yeah? Here's a little example. Years ago, I heard the story of a young man who became infatuated or in crazy love with a particular young woman. From a distance, uh, by the way, how many of you guys ever went through that phase where you went, got crazy over some, some girl? Any of you? Uh, I see some ladies putting their hands up. <laughs> Any, anyway, anyway, so, you know, this young fellow got, you know, so in love with this particular young woman, even though she, he didn't know her so well. From a distance, he began to think about her to just adore her appearance, love how she walked, and love how she talked. Oh, wow. And loved how she handled herself. And in his mind, in his mind, she became his princess, his all and all. Anthony's getting blessed there. He's thinking of his wife, of course. And one day... One day, the young man had a big dream. He had a big dream about her in which, in which he felt God told him to marry that young lady that he was so infatuated with. Oh, yes, he had this beautiful dream that he should marry her. And soon after his incredible dream, he mustered up the courage. He got the courage to go up to her, and he said, Oh, he said, I, I had a dream and God told me that I should marry you. Thank you. Thank you from one of our babies. Yeah, he said, God told me I should marry you. And the young lady, the young lady looked at him, looked at him and said, I am sorry, but I cannot marry you. The young man said, why? Why can't you marry me? And she said, because, because I'm already married. <laughs> the young man had not known that she was already married. He had become so in love, so infatuated with her, that his longing for her spilled over in a, in a dream which could not have been from God because she was already married. Make sense? So that's why I say 
whatever the dream might be, it has to line up with the Holy Word of God. Amen? All right. God speaks to us sometimes through an angel, a dream. He also speaks to us, point C, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, verse 2 says, The Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit can speak to us. Also, point D, God speaks to us through his beautiful creation. Yes, Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 declare, The heavens, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies, the, the, the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. His creation makes him known. That's what those verses are saying. And then point E, God speaks to us through hardships. Through hardships. Right? He speaks to us through, through difficulties, through, through tough times. Yes, indeed. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. Have some of you ever read C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain? Put your hand up. I'm just curious. Can, can I see your hand? Okay. All right. In his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis says... God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. C.S. Lewis says, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Have you had God sometime speak to you in your pain? Listen to this from Daniel, Daniel Ritchie. Daniel Ritchie says this. He says, I was born without arms. That is the best way to summarize my story. I stepped into suffering at birth. My physical body is a billboard for my pain. This has brought mocking, cruel jokes, stares, and the constant feeling that I am not like anyone else that I meet. And he goes on. He says, I have never been able to hide. Many people can bury their pain, but my heartache is written all over my two empty sleeves. Those sleeves tell a story without my mouth ever saying a word. My pain almost swallowed me, but Christ, but Christ showed me how much greater he was than my empty sleeves. He says, I used to think that being born without arms was the most horrible thing that could happen to a person. In Christ, he has helped me say, 
that the worst and most painful thing that has ever happened to me is also the best thing that has ever happened to me. I am thankful for my pain. All of the frustration that has come with it has reaped a bounty that I never could have produced on my own. God stepped in and carried me along in my weakness, letting me taste his strength, grace, and love in new ways. In my pain, he has magnified so many, so many of his attributes. God can speak to us in our pain. Amen. Here's another truth, point F. God speaks to us through deep impressions in our mind and heart. And some other message, I'll say more about that. And also, God speaks to us, of course, through prayer, through prayer, that's G. And H, probably the most Frequent, frequent way in which God speaks to us is through the Holy Bible, his word. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's what the word of God says. When you hear Pastor Lisa or me or, or any other minister preach or teach from the Holy Bible, it is one of the main ways by which God wants to communicate something to you and to me. When you read your Bible on your own, or you attend a Sunday school class, or attend a small group Bible study, it can be one of the main ways by which God will communicate with you. Amen? God, what God is saying to you these days from the Holy Bible can be very precious and very enriching. Is God saying, is God saying be encouraged because I, the Lord, love you? Is he saying persevere in your faith because I, the Lord, am with you? He says love one another. Forgive each other. He says stop gossiping. Stop stealing. Stop putting that person down. He says, stop that sin which only you and God know about. In his holy Bible, he says, stop robbing God and begin to tithe. Stop being lazy and get a job. Start using your gifts and abilities to be a blessing to other people. 
Be strong and courageous, says his holy word. Repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Seek to be entirely sanctified. God says all of this and more in his holy Bible. Christmas is awesome because we are reminded that as he did with Mary, God wants to communicate with ordinary people like you and like you, like you, like you up in the balcony, like you online viewer, like you radio listener. He wants to communicate with you and me. Let's be open. Are you being open to the communication from the Lord these days? In this Christmas season, I invite us to say, Lord, I'm open. I'm open to what you want to communicate to me in these days. There's a second truth that I want us to focus on today, and it is this. Christmas is awesome because we discover that God wants to help us overcome our fears. Yes. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 30, we read, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. Don't be afraid, Mary, said the angel, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. When the angel suddenly uh, showed up, I don't blame Mary for being afraid. Do, do you blame Mary for being afraid? You know, that, that would have been a scary experience. I mean, sometimes even when my wife walks by at home and uh, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, walk by, I go, Woo! I, I, I don't mean that in a bad way, you know. You, you know, like sometimes someone in your family walks by and walks by and you, you didn't know. You, you just kind of surprise, right? Okay. All right. Well, we, we would also probably respond like Mary. We'd say, you know, uh, who is this? What is happening? Uh, where, where am I? Mommy, what's going on? Right? God through the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid. Someone has counted in the Bible how many times the phrase don't be afraid or, or fear not appears and they found, they found that it is spoken or it is stated 365 times. One time for each day of the year. That's interesting, isn't it? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Recently, well, it was a couple of months ago, a relative of mine, a wonderful relative, normally a brave relative, 
needed an operation in a hospital. About two to three hours before his scheduled surgery, I spoke with him and prayed with him. And in that conversation, I detected that he was very nervous and scared about the operation. Even though it was not a a life-threatening procedure, I sensed his fear, but I did not imagine he would do what he did. Later that day, I discovered that as they were getting him ready for the surgery in the hospital, he told the doctor he couldn't go through with it, and he checked himself out. Some of you have also probably done that too. When I spoke with him, when I spoke with him, he, he told me he had become so afraid of the operation that he just could not go ahead with it. He felt bad about it, but he said he just couldn't go ahead. Sometimes our fears can be very real, can't they? Right? They can be very real. Now the good news, the good news about my relative who backed out of the surgery a couple of months ago, the good news is this. I don't know if it was the efforts of our family members to help him conquer his fear of surgery or maybe, maybe his medical problem got worse and he just told himself he had no choice but to have the operation. But the good news is, the good news is, this past week he went back into the hospital and had the much-needed surgery. And at the end of it, he said to me, oh, I'm so glad I did this. <laughs> Everything about the surgery went extremely well, and he is very happy at home now following the event. Now, in telling you that true story, I in no way mean to, to make fun of my family member for at first backing out of the operation. You know, that's not the point. I told you that story because it is a fact of life that most of us have one fear or another. We do. There are a few of you that are fearless. But it's possible that you're also lying. No, no, excuse me, I didn't mean that. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. My, yeah, no, I didn't mean that. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I, I looked up, I looked up what are the 10 most common fears. Okay, I looked up what are some of the most common fears. And, and here, here they are according to the ABC uh, research, ABC News research that, that was done, okay? All right? Here is one of the fears, and apparently th this was number one, actually. This was number one. The, like the first, top of the list, which surprised me. First one was social phobias. Social phobias. Some people can fear being judged so much that they avoid specific situations like eating in front of others. They, they said that up to one in 20 people 
have a social phobia. Now that was new information for me. Here's another major phobia. It's called ag agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Anyone know what this is? Anyone know what it is? Okay, I can't hear you. All right, here it is. It is the fear of open spaces. This is a, a serious anxiety disorder that can trap people in their homes or make leading a normal life next to impossible. Agoraphobia. Here's another one. Acrophobia. A-C-R-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Anyone know what this one is? My wife somehow knows this one. Fear of heights. Pastor Cindy, boy, she is so bright. All right, fear of heights. Boy, you guys are eager to applaud my wife anytime, and you hardly ever applaud me. Poor me. <laughs> and that's okay. All right. Some people fear, fear heights so badly, the escalators, well, at a shopping center, unfortunately, give them vertigo. Okay? Did you know that? Other people, if they look out from a cliff or from a tall building, their, their head spins. Some of you have experienced that, right? So that's uh, acrophobia. All right, Here, here's, here's the next one. Here's the next one. Okay, it, it's pronounced. Don't put up what it is as yet, okay, guys? It's pronounced terromergeniophobia. Terromergeniophobia. Anybody knows what that is? Quit looking at uh, the... <laughs> Well, quit looking at the wall. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Wise woman. Okay. That is fear, fear of flying. Okay. Fear of flying. Um, yeah. I practiced this uh, for today. You know. Tero merhano. Tero merhanophobia. You know, it's simple. Just like. Just like pronouncing Bobita's last name. Muni, Muni Rajakamor. Muni Rajakamor. Huh? Oh, don't change it on me. <laughs> Muni Rajakamar. Okay. Let's not get so picky, Bobita. I don't complain when you mispronounce Stavropoulos. <laughs> okay. Oh, by, by the way, ne next time you go on a flight, next time you go on a flight, <clears throat> write this word out. And uh, as you see the pilot, a lot of times they're at the door greeting people, right? To see the pilot and just say, uh, Mr. Pilot, um, do you have uh, te terromerhanophobia? <laughs> uh, and... and, and I don't know what he'll say. <laughs> he probably won't know that that's the official word for fear of flying. Okay, okay, the next one. The next one, the next one is claustrophobia, which most of you know, and that's the fear of enclosed spaces. 
and then there's entomophobia. Entomophobia. Anyone know what this is? Fear of insects. How do you know this, Cindy? Now, my wife likes to do all these puzzles and stuff, and I think she learns a lot of these words doing those puzzles, okay? Uh, anyway, no, that's good. That's good. Entomophobia. And then the next one is ophidiophobia. Ophidiophobia. Anyone know this one? Fear of snakes. Yep. Fear of snakes. Now, the great thing, the great thing about snakes is that if you leave them alone, they will usually, they will usually leave you alone. Okay? All right. Then the next one, the next one is sin, sinophobia. C-Y-N-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Sinophobia. Uh, well, so what's this one? <laughs> Radio listeners, the wise guy here said fear of Cindy. That's fear of my wife. How did you know, Anthony? How did you know, man? Yes. <laughs> well, her name is Cynthia, you know, so I'm going to have to remember this. <laughs> Beware of Sinophobia. Synth- oh, oh. Well, actually, this is this is fear of dogs. Okay, it's fear of dogs, and this can actually be one of the most difficult phobias to conquer because canines, dogs, can sense people's fear. You know that, don't you? All right. And then uh, there's astrophobia. Astrophobia. Which is what? Fear of storms. Fear of, stro- sto- fear of storms. Now this is common. And then there's uh, trypanophobia. Trypanophobia. This isn't fear of tripping. Okay. It's not fear of tripping. It is fear of needles. Fear of needles. You know, it can be helpful to remember that needles are worth the pain with them delivering vaccinations, delivering blood donations, or helping to investigate a potential illness. Right? Right? So, uh, according to research done by ABC News, those were the top ten fears that people have. Uh, I didn't actually give you the numbers as we were proceeding because I just figured if I did, some of you would be thinking... Oh, man, he's at number seven, number eight, number nine, whatever, okay? All right, there are a lot more fears that you and I can add to, such as, such as, I I was surprised that the fear of water didn't show up in the top ten. I was surprised about that. I've learned over the years that the reason that some people have fear of water is because they, they had a... They had a near-drowning experience, such as being at a beach and being caught up in the undertow and pulled out to the ocean and barely being able to make it back to the shore. And the official name for fear of water is aquaphobia. Uh, have you heard of that, aquaphobia? Any of you? No? Hmm?
Cynthia says, you would have guessed it. <laughs> Very good. Aqua, you know, is always water. <clears throat> All right. Well, you know what? After two and a half years and more of COVID, about half the people of most congregations across Toronto have developed a new phobia. That's right. Do you know what it's called? <clears throat> it's called churchophobia. <laughs> it's called churchophobia. Okay? Show it on the screen. Fear of going to church. Now, churchophobia is my name for it. The official technical name is ecclesiophobia. That, that's the official name, ecclesiophobia. Now, what puzzles me, my friends, what puzzles me is that about, about 50% of people in congregations all over, all over Toronto and probably beyond, about 50% of people in all congregations <clears throat> have not, including ours, have not returned to their places of worship since COVID started, since COVID got serious. What is even more puzzling is that the 50% the who have developed churchophobia have not, have not developed shopophobia. You know what shopophobia is? You're out shopping regularly. You have not developed restaurantophobia. You know what that is? Going to restaurants regularly. You have not developed movie theater phobia. That's going to movie theaters, right? You have not developed partyophobia. You go to people's parties regularly. You have not developed airplane travel phobia. Airplane travel phobia. People are traveling all over the world, all over the world, including Christians. When we picked up the Anna Freichuk family on October the 17th, you know, we were waiting for them there to come out of the gates or come out of the doors. I mean, I, there, there are so many people, so many people going by us. I thought, whoa, the whole world is traveling as if there is no COVID. And there was and there is still. So it's interesting for me that so many people have developed churchophobia or ecclesiophobia, officially called, but... Very few have developed, you know, shopophobia, restaurant phobia, movie theater, party phobia, airplane travel phobia. And yet, yet my Bible, my Bible reads as follows. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, not avoiding, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. That's referring to the return of the Lord. That's the message Bible translation. Or the King James Version says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves, of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approaching. Or, as the Good News translation says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming nearer. And there are, of course, of course there are more, more, more phobias. Uh, for some, there is, there is the fear, the fear of never getting married. For others, the, the fear of divorce, the fear of being bullied, uh, the fear of being bald, the fear of never getting a job, or the fear of losing a job, the fear of losing a friend over a misunderstanding or because they moved out of province or out of country, the fear of uh, your child leaving home, or the fear of your grown-up son or daughter deciding to come home. <laughs> Some of you know what I mean. Some of you just don't understand <laughs> until it's your turn. There's the fear of being robbed, you know? The, the fear of being, being robbed. Um, year, years ago when our son Jeremy, who's grown up now, but when he was just, um, maybe he was four or five, after, after, school, uh, after school they were picked up by our babysitter who just lived the street over. Pick, you know, so Jeremy and our daughter Amy were picked up taken to the babysitters and uh, and uh, and then uh, I think it was on a Friday then Aunt Ruth our dear Aunt Ruth would go and pick them up um, because Cindy was at work and I was at work being a pastor is work by the way for those of you who don't know <laughs> it's a ministry but it's also work but anyway so Aunt Ruth picked up our two children and I think at that time Jeremy, Jeremy was four or five so Aunt Ruth opened up the door opened up the door of our house as they walked in they saw the house in a big mess I mean things had been thrown all over the couch was pulled out uh, chairs were flipped over and it was just a big mess and our little son, Jeremy, he turned to Aunt Ruth and said, Aunt Ruth, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He was afraid he was going to get blamed for the big mess in the house. And what had happened was we had been broken into and robbed. Anyway, so fear of being robbed sometimes is an issue. Uh, fear of not having enough money to buy food or pay bills. There are, there are, of course, more fears that could be added to the list. But, but, but I was surprised. I was surprised that fear of death, fear of death, according to the ABC research, did not show up in the top ten. I was surprised about that. Are you surprised? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, do, you know, do you know what is the official name for fear of death? Here it is. Thanatophobia. Thanatophobia. See, you have broadened your vocabulary today. Thanatophobia, fear of death. In regards, in regards to whatever fear you might be facing, my friends, I believe the word of the angel Gabriel in Luke 1.30, I believe the word is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give 
is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Are you afraid of death? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He's talking about heaven. Are you enjoying the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? You can be. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear death because ultimately death will be the doorway to heaven. And the way in which you and I can know that our, our path will lead to heaven is by us repenting of our sins, asking God to truly forgive us for our sins, and believing that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Today, are you believing? Is your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? If so, you don't have to fear death. You can say, Lord, my life is in your hand. And my future is in your hand. Christmas is awesome because we are reminded that God wants to communicate with ordinary people like you and me. Christmas is awesome because we discover that God wants to help us overcome our fears. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for wanting to communicate with us and thank you for wanting to help us overcome whatever fear we wrestle with. Our Father, you know the various fears our people experience. Some are very free to talk about them openly. Some, some are very quiet about whatever that fear is. But Lord, I pray that you would give to each one victory over the fear. And ultimately, we rejoice in the fact that we can have victory over the fear of death. Why? Because Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. Jesus paid the full price for our sins so we can be forgiven and adopted into your family and receive the promise of heaven. We thank you because Christmas is awesome. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.